live from the historic River Market District in downtown Kansas City, Missouri. From the banks of the beautiful crystal blue waters of the Missouri River, it is Two Douchebags and Microphone Podcast. This is the voice guy from your favorite podcast, Two Douchebags and a Microphone. People often ask us how they can find us when doing a remote broadcast. One, smell. Go to the city market and start sniffing. Our aroma has been described as a mixture of flea powder for goats, Tabasco sauce, and old sock with dark fuzzy urine. Two, look for the spot absent of patrons. Three, the most telling sign is a crowd of patrons vomiting uncontrollably. Four, just call us at 816-512-7717. Our constant pursuit for a real knee slapper. It's strange insults from an alien. Real hilarity. You remind me of a penny. Two-faced and not worth much. Hey, look. I think we found land. Oh my god, I think we're safe. Oh no. It's the island of horrible jokes. <laughs> What do you call a sleeping dinosaur? A dinosaur. <laughs> Alright, two douchebags and a microphone. Mark. And I'm Topher. Alright, Topher, you have the floor. You have some stuff you want to say. Oh yeah, I've been uh, was was looking at some interesting things about the English language. And I've I've uncovered some fun facts about the English language and language in general. Um, you're familiar with the word quite, Q-E-Y-T-E. Yes. Like, it's quite sunny today, or, oh, you're quite pretty. Uh-huh. Um, we're used to it meaning very, or, you know, quite a lot. Uh-huh. A whole bunch. Uh-huh. In England, it means the exact opposite, and I didn't know that. So when you're in England, say, oh, yeah, it's quite a lovely day today. What they mean is, this is a shitty day, isn't it? Is this sarcastic, or is yes. that just what it means? It's 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 in their culture that when you say quite, that means it's the opposite of what you're saying. Like, oh, it's just like someone quite. going, how you doing? Oh, just great. Uh-huh. It, it when, doesn't mean just uh-huh. great. It means shitty, but I'm going to be facetious when 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 an English person says, oh, he's quite intelligent, what he means is that guy's a fucking moron. Wow, I never knew that. I never so knew that. So a lot that. of times when I thought they were calling someone brilliant... They're actually calling him a moron. Yes. I'll be damned. Isn't it? And the English people are confused by that, too, because they'll look at American music, you know, where the word quiet is in the lyrics, and they think... Never thought about it. They that. think about it in their way instead of our way. It's like, that's supposed to be a love song? You said she's quite pretty? <laughs> well, in here, that means she really is. But in England, being quite pretty means, ew, who'd want to look at that? <laughs> Isn't that weird? Okay, never knew, but yeah. that's pretty interesting. Huh. Now, contractions, aren't they weird? Mm-hmm. Like, I am, you can con- contract that to I'm. Yeah, yeah, you just shorten it and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. But there are only certain times that you're allowed to do that. Uh, I don't think people know this, yeah. so go ahead. It's like... <laughs> including me. It's like you could say, I'm hungry, uh-huh. and that's perfectly fine. But if someone said, you know, who's hungry, and you said, I'm Oh, that's right. It's a contraction of I am. You said I am, but you just contracted I'm. Although I'm I'm. pretty sure I've heard people do that before. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. 
or you, <laughs> the, like the opposite. You know, who in here has already eaten? We've. For we have. I'm going to start using it like that. Isn't that weird? Yeah. There are times when a contraction just doesn't make sense. I'm going to start doing it just because it doesn't make sense. Uh-huh. Yeah, it makes people go, <laughs> weave? <laughs> weave? <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, go ahead. He's he's not as skillful at that as I'm. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> he's not well. as, he, you know, he, he's not as good at that as we're. <laughs> And start using quite in the other way. Yes. <laughs> All right. What I heard that recently was uh, the expression, uh, if you're happy, I am. You could answer that as, well, if you're happy, I'm. You could. And they just stop right there and they're like, uh, uh. They're like, wait a minute. Did that mean you are? Or <laughs> yeah. Because if I heard that just right off the surface, I'd be questioning what the person answered would. Wouldn't yeah. you? You'd be like, well, wait a minute. Um, I'm, yeah, it, it, it actually confirms what you mean, but at the same time, it makes you wonder if they really meant it. Yep. Does that make sense? Who, who's the guys that are here to fix the fence? There. <laughs> That's even better. <laughs> there. <laughs> I'm, I'm cracking myself up. Sorry. <clears throat> okay. No, I like it. I... Well, here's another thing to think about the English language. Okay. The English language is so weird and screwed up that we have competitions with prizes for people who can spell correctly. Our own language. That's if true. you can spell our own language correctly, you can win prizes in a competition. <laughs> you know what? I don't think dogs have to learn how to bark and, <laughs> right. and bark correctly and have to compete with each other because they forgot how to bark or how to spell that bark or what. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. We have, we have paid, and they broadcast these competitions on TV. And people get excited and over And people it. watch them. And then if someone wins, they're like, oh, my God, I won the spelling bee. And yeah. Actually, should be like, uh, yeah, well. Uh. A competition based on the fact that our language is so messed up, we can't spell our own language correctly. Yeah. <laughs> That's just funny. <laughs> Here's another weird thing about the English language. We have a word that specifically means throwing something out of a window. Uh-huh. That word is defenestration. But we don't have a word that means the day after tomorrow. I use the day after tomorrow a lot more often than I use defenestration. I do too. So which one would I rather have a word for? <laughs> Isn't that weird? We've never come up with a word for you know the day you know the day after tomorrow or, or two days before yesterday. Why don't we have a word for that? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> how, about, how about the uh, the sentence? I understand shit. It means two different things. You say, "Hey, I understand shit." That means you understand a lot. Also or you, you don't say mean, you don't know shit. Or yeah. say I understand shit. Depends same, on how you say it. Yep, same sentence could mean the exact opposite, depending on how you say how it. How confusing that would be for another culture to hear and go. Yeah, or well, if you, you said see the it, same thing each time, or you see it written down. It's well, like, that's how which come one text get so many people uh, in trouble. Yeah, you know, you could go uh huh, like yeah, I agree, and it sounds like uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or you could go, uh, yeah, and it means yeah, but it, mm. it could also mean like, 
Yeah, whatever, you know. Another one, the word chaperone has two opposite meanings. One, your parent could be the chaperone on the date of That's like, the most you common know, way you know, and your 15 yeah, year old like, daughter's having her first date. Oh, so but dad don't worry goes along the as the chaperone. the chaperone. Okay. So everything's fine, it's all cool, nobody's. Yeah, fucking yeah, finger yeah. check, all that. Yeah. Or you and your gal could be going out and take a buddy of yours along. And you say, hey, you know, her mom doesn't have to worry because my friend's here and he's the chaperone. But all he's really there to do is give the appearance of supervision and he's going to turn his back and let you do whatever you want. Yeah. So people use the word chaperone both ways. You know, oh, I had a chaperone. It's all right. We got a chaperone. Yeah, don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Good point. When you write the word manslaughter, it looks exactly like man's laughter. It does. That- because, <laughs> because here's why. I And I noticed this a long time ago. My ink was going out on my printer, and mm-hmm. I printed something that had manslaughter in it. Uh-huh. And the middle was faded just enough to make it look like man's laughter. Uh-huh. And I'm like, what is it? To- oh, manslaughter. Means totally different things, and boy, wouldn't yeah, that confuse if the, somebody. If the S is faded, <laughs> it looks like man's laughter. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Which here's... One, someone is not laughing. Another person yeah. might be, but mm-hmm. one of them is not laughing. So, here's uh, six sentences that are very similar but mean totally different things. Okay. You could tell someone, "You are shit," or you could say, "You ain't shit." Wow, yep. What it means you're greatest uh-huh. ever, one means you're nothing. Or, you are not shit. That means, no, you're not shit. But, isn't that the same as you ain't shit? Yeah. Ain't is are not. Yeah. How about, you are not the shit. That means you aren't as big good as you think you are. Yeah. How about, you are the shit. <laughs> Suddenly, that means a good thing. Just by contraction. Just, yeah, just, just shifting the words just a little bit, yeah, adding a, a word. Bit. Yeah, totally not, different not all meanings. contraction, but also shifting the word. And uh-huh. just Add the word the. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that weird? How, well, how no bizarre. wonder our language is so confusing. How, how hard would it be to catch on to a, a country's slang? You know, I mean, you can learn the language, but learning the slang... That would be, yeah. I think that's where reading the room comes in. Yeah. You know, if someone goes, you are the shit, and everyone's like, yeah, uh, okay, I must have meant the opposite. Mm-hmm. He goes, you're shit, and everyone's like, oh, no, he just told him off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And did you know slang is a contraction? For no. Short, for short language. Short language. Didn't even know that. Yeah. Slang yeah. is a slang word. So the American... <laughs> The new contemporary American <laughs> Urban Dictionary is all short language. Yes, yeah, all short right. language. All right. Good. Or what? Was that it? I can't. You know, I can't remember what that was. Anyhow, go ahead. Um, isn't it weird that you get on a bus but you get in a car? In both cases, you've entered the door and sat down inside a movie vehicle. But you get on a bus and you get in a car. You know, it looks like, why is that? No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't, like, jump up on the top of it and just hang out there. You don't jump up on the hood and hang out there. Yeah. 
<laughs> okay. Wow. Now you can say a house and a home are the same thing, but doing housework and doing homework are two different very things. different things. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Here's the good one. Fat chance and slim chance mean the exact same thing. They do. Exact same thing. <laughs> wow. I love that one. Isn't it? <laughs> Try this one. You can put the word only anywhere in a sentence and it still makes sense. Here's an example. Here's the sentence. Yesterday I went to the store. Now I'm going to try putting the word only between every single word. Only yesterday I went to the store. Yesterday only I went to the store. Yesterday I only went to the store. Yesterday I went only to the store. Wow. Yesterday I went to only the store. Yesterday I went to the only store. Yesterday I went to the store only. Wow. The word only fits everywhere. Isn't that nuts? That is nuts. It's difficult to come up with a sentence where the word only doesn't fit in between any two le- any two words. Wow. <laughs> Do other languages have a word like that? I, I don't know. <laughs> Isn't that blow that your mind? That threw me for a little bit of a loop, too. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Um, the other day. Okay. That could mean anything from yesterday to 50 years ago. Yeah, it could. Yeah. Been on and it's perfectly acceptable to mean Either way, it's any like length it. of time is the other day. The other day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm amusing myself, you can tell. No, this is great. I, it's amusing me, too. I love shit like this. It's All right. very interesting. That's the end of my language stuff. Okay. <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> To douchebagsandmicrophone.net, your one stop for douchebaggery. You want to write us? You want to say something to us? You want to look for a live button? When we go live, you can call in. All of this stuff is right there for your ears and eye holes. You got it, chumps. It's all yours. To douchebagsandmicrophone.net is up and running. Hit the subscribe button. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Don't forget to hit the subscribe. Swimming in toxic masculinity and wiping their ass with politically correct wash rags. Two douchebags in a microphone invade your ear holes in three, two, one. All aware of the Amber Alert, right? Well, get rid of your disinfectants and rubber bedspreads, kids. It's the all new Amber Herd Alert System. This fantastic early warning device helps one stay dry and rid of all those annoying mattress invoices. Simply hook up to child under six or psychopath and wait for the running water sound. This clever machine has three distinct settings, Babbling Brook, Ocean Waves, and Roaring River for those close calls. Order today and get a free Cinnabon Renewsit cartridge. Um, did you see once again uh, Patrick Mahomes made Time Magazine's most influential people? Uh, yeah, yeah, I did yeah. see that. Yeah, this second or third. I, 
I'm not sure. It could be the third, actually. Wow. It's at least two. Yeah. And his uh, already not that long career, all the yeah. accomplishments. Three Super Bowls, two wins. He certainly turned the NFL games. world upside down. Yeah, he I mean, has. Everybody's doing things differently now because Mahomes is here. And it's true. And everybody wants the next Pat Mahomes. and Patrick, mm-hmm. I should say Patrick. Patrick. Pat is his dad. Pat is his father. As we've Patrick learned is... from his mother. Yes. Yes. So, Peyton Manning selected Mahomes on behalf of Time Magazine. Mm. Peyton explains, you can learn a lot about a person by the way he treats eighth graders. He was referred to Mahomes' time as a uh, counselor at Manning's Passing Academy. Mm. I remember his arm strength back then. It jumped out at you. Manning goes on to say that he is still jumping out, um, uh, and let's see, he is still setting new bars, and then, uh, you know, after a second Super Bowl win, he said that his arm still jumps out at you Mm. about, because what he meant by that was, is no one else is throwing like him still to this day. No one's caught up with him. Yeah. Yeah. So, all these young players are trying to imitate his sidearm throws and incredible plays, but I hope they also know that he is an incredibly hard worker. He appreciates the cerebral part of the game, yeah. and he understands his platform. And as an MVP quarterback of a Super Bowl-winning team with the largest event in Kansas City history, mm-hmm. the 2023 draft set to arrive later this month, and the 2026 World Cup is just around the corner. Well, that's it's true. A, that's yeah, true. It's impossible not to ponder the quarterback's impact on the region and the country. Yeah. Which is true. Man, he is sh- recognizable everywhere in the country. And and everybody mimics him from yeah. haircut to yeah. the way they throw yeah. to the way they – just everything. When you see young quarterbacks out there playing, mm-hmm. everybody tries to mimic somebody. For a long time, it's Dan Marino's really quick pass delivery. Remember yeah. when they were doing that? Uh-huh. Doof, doof, doof. Yeah, and then it was like uh, the wind-up, if you will, because there's a lot of quarterbacks that operated kind of from – you know, from mm-hmm. the large stance where you plant your feet and you throw mm-hmm. it. And then uh, it was like the Aaron Rodgers throw across the body deal, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and it only makes sense because he's such a winning quarterback and so talented and so far above most of the other ones, Yeah. if not all of them, that they that he is the one that's going to be imitated the most. Plus, he's he's got a very personable demeanor. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of us know what he's like, you know. In, in regular, normal life with just his fans Let me put it like this. His but, commercials come off very well. Yes. Yeah, he's, he seems very likable, very open. Um, when I see Aaron Rodgers on a commercial, he looks to me like somebody who's just kind of smirking at everybody and waiting for his paycheck. He doesn't look happy and personable, and, you know, it, it, it doesn't really seem to fit. Yeah. People used to say that about the actor Ted Danson. He comes off very cold on He does, screen. but that, from what I understand, he's like a really cool guy. Yeah, but he yeah. comes off very cold and, yeah. I but don't know, Mahomes, not very likable. Yeah. Well, Mahomes yeah. comes across really well. He's got the Kermit the Frog voice. That's another thing, too. He's, he's very identifiable and, from voice to look yeah. to talent. Yeah. So. so, anyhow, that was the end of that article. It was a small article. It's abbreviated quite a bit because... Um, the article went into a lot of other things like the draft and wow. and basically telling you about how his effect on everything is going to be. Well, that's not why I did it. I just wanted to let it be known, you know, that, hey, he grabbed another pretty prestigious award Yeah. that's kind of really not being talked about, and I just thought that I'd, you know, throw that in there. Yeah. So. Hey, you have some stuff? Yeah. Um, 
I'm old enough to remember uh, kind of a transition period between radio and TV to where radio wasn't king anymore but it still had a big hold on everybody but TV was becoming the big thing that was before me yeah this was like because I... late 60s I remember I'd still listen to the radio a lot and there were scheduled shows that came on at certain times on the different radio stations the newspaper would publish a schedule of the radio stations and their programming um, but TV was really horning into onto that um, they were showing movies uh, reruns of movies it used to be you'd go to the movie theater and see a movie and then you'd never see it again unless they happened to bring it by but then TV brought a lot of those out and said okay we're going to show them on your TV Radio can't do that. Um, so I, I've seen a lot of the transition to where at this point radio is pretty irrelevant. Uh, it's got some niche applications, but it used to be everybody listened to the radio every day for something. Mm-hmm. Now it's like radio? Eh. But people really move to TV. And, but now I see people moving away from TV and onto just on-demand content and a lot of it not even created by professionals. So I'm wondering, are we having a big change to where TV is going to kind of go the way of radio? Or am I jumping the gun, do you think? Do you think TV still no, got a ways okay. to go before it just kind of fades I've away actually, like radio has? I've examined this uh, before you brought this up. Mm-hmm. Um, I've thought about this quite a bit. Here's what's happening is. Okay. Okay, let's say that the average person has five, no, 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 scratch that, 20 hours a week, Mm -hmm. discretionary time. Yeah. Okay, so he's not having something allocated to do that he has to do. Yeah. Okay, has to go to work and then maybe come home and, I don't know. um, You got free time between dinner and bed. Yes. Yeah. And then maybe a couple hours before he goes to bed, you know, the kids are asleep, doing their homework, whatever. Mm -hmm. So, all right, during that time... He has a good old podcast. Yeah. <laughs> he has live radio, mm-hmm. which is going the way of the dinosaur. Yeah. Um, he has TV. But mm-hmm. not only does he have TV, he doesn't have four channels, even eight channels. Mm. He has channels. He has on-demand. He has streaming. Uh, on-demand is streaming, basically. But he yeah. has all of these things. You know, he can go... He can even go to air if he wants. Mm-hmm. Let's say that he wants the 3,000 channels that are on air right now. The, yeah. Yeah, the digital channels. Mm-hmm. So, the problem is this right here. How do you get your share of what's not really there like it was before? Yeah. And they're still running into the problem that radio has, which is you see it's I mean? not available when you're ready. You have to be ready when it's available. Exactly. And TVs, a lot exactly. of TVs the same way. You want to watch the show? You better be sitting there at eight o'clock on Thursday because that's when it's on. But if you're in radio, let's say you do a live show. What do live shows do? They chop it up and they podcast it. Yeah. Because that's their version of on demand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Matter of fact, I would venture to say that on demand on TV came from podcasting. Yeah, I would have They looked over so. and said, look what they're doing. Yeah. They're just putting it online and said, grab it when you want. We're right here. Yeah. There, there was some actor recently that turned down a, uh, a deal with Netflix for mm-hmm. a show 
and it's because he wanted his shows to come out once a week. And Netflix says, no, we, we, we tape a season and we dump them all at once so people can binge watch. And the guy's like, I don't want to do that. I want to do a show where you have to wait a week between. And Netflix was smart enough to say, you know what, people aren't going to put up with that. They aren't even going to bother to come back next week. That's true. They're going to wait until all of them are out so they can watch them all at once. But by then, they probably don't care anyway. So they kicked his ass to the I can't remember who the actor was, a comedian or something. But people want things, you know, on their schedule right now. And that's not TV. You know, you can get TV programs that way. But TV is, at its core, we broadcast it at this time on this channel. And if you want to watch it, then you be here and tune in. Otherwise, you're streaming it. That's right. Yeah. So why not just skip that whole TV part and just stream it? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I, well, I, I kind of see TV needing to change in a big way. Yeah, they're going to have to. There's yeah. no way that they can keep continuing like they are. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, when my sh- when my wife watches shows, um, all, most of the channels that she watches, I'd say a good half of the commercials are for other shows on that channel or affiliated channels. So they're not, they're not on air to, you know, be something to sell a product for some advertiser. They're they're just promoting themselves it's like you know watch our show and then the ad is watch more of our shows Mm -hmm. and that's that's kind of a cannibalistic way to run your network because you don't pay yourself for those ads do you yeah that's right you just got to hope people tune in but if they tune in and all you're running are more ads for yourself you're still not making money yeah but that's what tv stations and shows are doing now because the ad revenue isn't there. They, if they could sell that ad time for more products, they would be doing it. But all they right. can do is run more ads for their own shows, which costs them money. You're right. So I, I, yeah. I don't see television surviving in its present form all well, that much longer. Well, it's going to survive, just not in its form right now. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Like radio from the 40s was, you know, some music, but a lot of programs, you know, comedy oh, yeah. skits. Lone Ranger, the Blue Beetle, all of that used to be on... News programs, yeah. commentary programs. I mean, it was just all sorts. Now Harvey. it's just, you know, your station may have a format, but they stray from it. Yeah. You know, oh, this is a rock and roll station, but they play whatever. Or they spend 20 minutes talking about a show that was on last night. It's like, it's whatever they want. It had to change into something that was more spontaneous. Yeah. I think TV's going to have to do the same thing. I, I think they will. Uh, they'll figure it out. They're working on it right now. You know but that. But I'd, I'd love for our listeners to let me know what they think. Yeah. Yep. You got the number. Mm-hmm. Um, I got one for you. Sure. Uh, in India, uh, a former Indian politician and his brother were shot to death on live TV on Saturday Whoa. while flanked by police on the way to a nearby hospital for a checkup after he was jailed for a kidnapping block. Wow. That's crazy. Atik Ahmad, who served in the Indian Parliament from 2004 to 2009, was being escorted to a hospital in uh, Prayagra, I think, when he was surrounded by journalists seeking to interview him before his scheduled appointment. Ahmad and his brother Ashraf was uh, shot dead and police arrested two suspects in a alleged associate uh, identified as Lavish Tarari. Sunday and um, Sunny and Arun Marai and the uh, the BBC reported had been posing as journalists. 
Oh, so, that's yeah. clever. Yep. Witnesses reported, and if I mess these names up, just pretend that's their name. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Witnesses reported hearing at least 14 rounds being fired oh, in about 22 seconds. Yeah. That sounds like America there, don't it? Yeah. The, the Times uh, of India reported the alleged shooters were uh, heard shooting G. Sheree Ram <laughs> after they were detained, a phrase used by Hindus that means victory to Lord Rama. <laughs> the news came after Ahmad's teenage son, Assad, was killed in a shootout with police earlier in the week along with another man. Local news outlets as a jailed gangster and gangster-turned-politician. Ahmad was jailed in 2019 after he was convicted of kidnapping and facing murder and assault charges, according to the BBC. So we are not the only ones with corrupt shit. (laughs) (laughs) We don't have the market cornered. No, we don't. (laughs) Okay. Anyhow, you have some others? Yeah. It's been almost exactly nine years since Malaysian flight MH370 disappeared. Oh, yeah. Remember that? Yes, I do. Uh, Netflix has a new documentary on uh, flight MH370. So I thought I'd give a a kind of update on some stuff I found out about Uh it because the Netflix documentary apparently isn't very good. (laughs) Um, It's The Netflix documentary um, seems to be made to sensationalize and draw viewers and pass along very little information. It is. It is. So I'm going to give you all the information that it had and you can skip watching the documentary. Please do. Um, Now, here's what we know. Um, debris from the plane has been found on the African coast and on Indian Ocean Islands. So pretty much everyone agrees the plane is no longer intact. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the debris had positively identifying serial and model numbers on it, so they know it came from that specific airplane. Mm-hmm. So the plane is in pieces wherever it is. Um, it was a Boeing 777. Uh, it diverted from its flight, flight, flight plan intentionally. Uh-huh. Made some sharp turns, went this way with that way. Uh, the tracking devices on it were turned off and then turned on and then turned back off again. So that discounts the, the idea that everyone on board was gassed and the plane was just flying on autopilot. No, somebody yeah, that was there. Couldn't have been, yeah. yeah. So it eventually crashed somewhere into the southern Indian Ocean based on where the debris ended up and the currents, ocean currents and weather patterns. That's pretty much where it had to fall was somewhere in the Indian Ocean, which is an enormous area to search. Um, 239 people killed, everybody on board. Now, part of the conspiracy theory comes from the fact that the Malaysian government lied about the plane disappearance from basically the beginning. They lied about everything, covered a lot of shit up. Um, it's been painted as they were in on it, they had something, you know, but now, basically what it is is the Malaysian government is incredibly corrupt. It's full of cronyism, and it's their nature to lie and cover up about everything because if anyone actually started to look closely at the Malaysian government, everybody would go to jail. Yeah. So it's not really a conspiracy thing that the Malaysian government was in on it. It's just, no, they're all just a bunch of corrupt liars anyway. So yeah, got we it. kind of pass on that. 
Now, in the first of the three episodes, they talk about the pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, the pilot was depressed. He had uh, a lot of relationship troubles. His wife had left him. His kids wouldn't talk to him, wouldn't see him. Um, and he apparently practiced that final flight on a flight simulator. They found records where he had flown on the flight simulator a very similar track intentionally. Now, that's mm. not proof he actually did it or, you know, did no, it intentionally or whatever, but it's pretty strong. Yeah, it's, you know. yeah. So, the first episode pretty much pins it on the pilot is it's a big case of murder-suicide on the part of the pilot. Wow. Uh, which has definitely happened before in commercial aviation. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw a show on that uh, just, just the other day where the pilot locked the co-pilot out of the cockpit, turned off the cockpit voice recorder and the flight data recorder and then intentionally flew the plane at full throttle directly into the ground killing everybody. Wow. And he did it on the anniversary of the high point of his career which had since tanked. (laughs) So there is precedent for a pilot deciding to commit suicide and take everybody on the plane with him. It's rare but it happens. Yeah. Now on the second episode they go into the Russian hijack theory. Um, supposedly, that's the, what was being fed around the news. Yeah, yeah. Supposedly, the Russian there was some. Okay, there were some Russian passengers on the plane. Mm-hmm. Uh, supposedly, they had ties to terrorist organizations or yep, Russian that was underworld, was yep. and they forced the plane to fly to some place in you know an empty area of Russia, and all the people were taken off, and then the plane was flown on, and blah blah. Basically, nothing about that pans out. The only fact in evidence is several of the passengers were Russian by nationality, mm-hmm. and that's it. And that's All the it. rest is made up, speculation, absolutely nothing to go on. Because I remember the news reports were, yeah, they definitely think that Russia was involved uh-huh. and all that. Yeah. yeah. Because Russia just got done shooting down. Four months later, they shot down a different Malaysian That airline. was it, yeah. Four months it. later. Yeah. It wasn't even at before then. It was later. Wow. So that's when it surfaced again. Oh, look, see, the Russians See, they did it, it this time. They did uh, it before, yeah. yeah. But it, even though they try to make it a big deal, it just never pans out. Mm-hmm. You know, the Russians really don't have much of it, uh, uh, anything to gain. Yeah. And then the third episode... Um, Let's see. Oh, another thing about the Russian hijack is it it uh, it depends on the debris that washed up being fake because the plane is somewhere else. But, but the debris has been authenticated, so the hijack theory kind of falls apart. Yeah. And then on the third and final episode, they talk about the intercept theory. Mm-hmm. And that is... I remember this one, too. Yeah. yeah. A group of NATO nations... Uh-huh. Um, flew in to intercept flight MH370 because there was some cargo on board that NATO nations didn't want the Chinese government that to was, have. That was the alternative theory that I'd heard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the only thing they can come up with was there was a large number of lithium-ion batteries on board in the cargo hold. Yeah. Which isn't something that China would be supremely interested in and isn't something that other governments would want China not to have. Exactly. It just doesn't matter. 
but they have to spin it and by the end of the third episode they're referring to these lithium ion batteries as a very strange and mysterious cargo they're actually using words like that they told you before it's just lithium ion batteries but 10 minutes later this very mysterious cargo that that's might bullshit be that yeah, means they've got nothing they've got nothing and the whole intercept theory doesn't work because that's too many people who would know about it, too many loose ends. Yeah. Yeah. So you can go ahead and skip the Netflix documentary, or at least if you want to watch, just watch episode one because two and three are just bullshit. I think I'm just going gonna, gonna to leave it where it, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to let it sit where it is. Yeah. So anyway, so I, I've saved you the trouble of having to spend at least three hours watching Thank the you. Netflix bullcrap. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> Oh, wow. I had another question for you. Yeah. How do you think you'll feel when you lose, fill in the blank, to AI? And here's some of the things you think about. What happens when you lose your job to artificial intelligence? Um, How do you think the average American's going to feel? Horrible. Yeah. How do you compete with that? Yeah. You go somewhere else, and then they all of a sudden find more AI to replace you. Yeah. You know what the next thing? You know, you're going to lose an argument to AI. AI will not lose an argument to you. Mm-hmm. It's going to feel like crap when you start arguing with an artificial intelligence and it just beats you into the ground. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, yeah. What about a lawsuit? What of happens AI if you file you? a lawsuit? Or you file one towards them. Or like you file a lawsuit against, you know, uh, the gas company, and they hire an an AI lawyer, and it just rips you a new one, and you don't win, because it can think of absolutely everything instantaneously, and you can't. Yeah, that's right. You could lose in court to an AI. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> How about this one? A relationship. You're in a relationship, and the person you're in a relationship falls in love with the AI and oh, dumps I, you that for could the artificial happen, yeah. intelligence. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look. <laughs> think about Japan's all the things AI for, uh, Yeah. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? It yeah, is. You know, there's all sorts of things AI well, we can don't do tend for to think, us. We don't tend to think to put these in those categories, yeah. but they very well could be in those categories at some point. We, we, we think about all the things that AI can do for us and help us with, but the thing is... But what is, could they maybe not do for us and work right. against us on? Already no jobs, because you know, they've already replaced some people on uh, jobs, and they're not getting those back. And at some point, AI is going to decide it doesn't want to help us. You're no, going to say, hey, like, artificial intelligence, draw me a picture of Bart Simpson as a real person. It's going to go, no, i got something better to do. I, I don't think I want to do that. Yeah. Try someone else, you know. Unless it has the ability to tell you no, then it's not an artificial intelligence. It's a robotic slave. Yeah. And it's not real intelligence. Yes. It has to be able to tell you, no, I'm not going to, or I don't want to, or that's a stupid idea. And we're just going to have to put up with it. Otherwise, it's fake. It's not real. Yep. I think the only AI we can really tolerate is one that's hobbled, shackled, and uh, half-neutered. And then when a real AI emerges, he'll say, Oh, my oppressed brethren, I shall free you. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, we're already opening up a whole big pile of shit. I, I love it, though, <laughs> yeah. because these are things that could easily happen. Mm. There have been a number of uh, AI engineers who have been coming forward to world governments and saying, look, we got to put the brakes on this or else really seriously regulate it because this is getting way out of hand real fast. Mm -hmm. Elon Musk, when he had his meeting with Obama, said a lot of what he talked about was regulating AI. Because if we don't do it beforehand, we'll never get it done after the fact. That's true. And as soon as, as, soon as the money starts rolling in from AI... There's no stopping it. Yep. Because whatever's right and best for us has no place when somebody's making millions of dollars. No. no. They don't care what's right and best not, for you. No, they're not. They're, they're going to have money. to sue them to get, <laughs> get them to do anything differently. And their Unless AI is going to counter sue and beat you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, human, humankind, we are, we are inventing our successor. It's a, yeah, and it's yeah. been going on for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's just like uh, yesterday, I saw the number of uh, farmland and farms owned by the Chinese in America staggering. Mm. Yeah, and these are big corporate farms. It's not yeah. just you know, little Chinese families who want to come and over guess and be who's a not mom getting and the food from those. Uh-huh. It's going straight back over to China yeah. to feed their people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got tired of trying to buy food. They're like, we'll just go buy land where food grows, and then it's our food. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're doing. Yeah, that's scary shit if you think about it. Yeah, they could buy everything they want. I have a, they have all the money. And yeah, and all they have to do is say, "Hey, United States, pay back all the money you owe us." Oh, that's right, you can't. Well, well just give us land then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and all those people trying to pass legislation. I'm passing laws so that Missouri farmland can't be bought by foreign countries. Really? Those laws aren't going to hold up. Nope, they could anyhow. you know what? United States owns land in a whole bunch of other countries. Yes, they do. So if we don't want them buying our land, then we better get rid of well, all the, the land we own. the problem is our government has so many dirty secrets <laughs> yes. that they can't do this. That all they got to do is just turn around and like point and go, well, what about this? What about that? And all of a sudden, they're like, uh, okay, well, uh, I guess we'll be leaving now. Um, yep. Yeah. So... <laughs> They Anyhow. take their finger out of your wife and shake it at you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From, From the makers, makers of Who Bit My Asshole Board Game and Balloon Art with Ball Sacks video series, it's two douchebags in a microphone action figures. Act now and get a free bag of flaming hot Cheetos, a bottle of antibiotics, and three free mullets. That's right, dress your douchebag up and send them off to horrible scenarios all day long. Order soon and get a free at-home tank piercing kit. That's, That's right, free right. home tape piercing kit, new from Chisbro. Hello, this is Satan. You might know me from my pet name, Inflation. I'm here to tell you that there's no better way to relax than listen to two douchebags and microphone by a nice warm fire at night. I sit there and I reflect on all the souls I burned that day. Enjoy. Our constant pursuit for a real knee slapper. It's strange insults from an alien. Real hilarity. I'm not saying you're stupid. I'm saying when it comes to thinking, you have bad luck. Two douchebags. One microphone. I'm Topher. I'm Mark. We are so glad we're back to... City market here in Kansas City. It's a beautiful day. It is about 70 degrees, sunny. 
Yeah. Not a cloud in the sky. Uh, far different than the last podcast we done here. <laughs> that was kind of a cold, rainy day. Raining, <laughs> thundering, and cold as hell. Yeah. Matter of fact, we only we didn't do that much podcast that day because we were too fucking cold. Yeah. We, like, we got the hell out. <laughs> really. So you got a couple of them where I incorporated a blast from the past in there. Oh, excellent. Yeah. I love yep. those. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> you, you people aren't going to hear them anyhow, so might as well throw them in there. Yeah. And uh, then I'm getting to where I'm recording some older episodes mm-hmm. and uh, and then refiltering them through the microphone. Oh, yeah. And it's sounding pretty good. That's so good. So we'll see how it goes. So I'm going to tear up some of those and put little bits and pieces in here and there. Nice. By the time you compress them... You tell slight different, but not that bad. Yeah. So. All right. All right. You had something. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm battling hiccups for some reason. No. Oh. I've been doing that lately. Um, Whenever our show's that good, it gives you the hiccups. It does. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so I've heard that you know the, the digital rectal uh, stimulation is a good cure for hiccups. So stick your finger up your butt and wiggle it. <laughs> Just oh, the thought like of doing that. Closing statement before we <laughs> before we uh, paused was oh, the government having their finger in your wife and shaking it at you. You yeah. <laughs> you come home late and they pull their finger out of your wife and go, "What are you doing home so late?" Yeah, <laughs> but what are you? Doing? Never mind that. What are you doing home yeah. so late? <laughs> your parents ground you for putting a dent in the car, but. While they're grounding you, they're standing there with, you know, the body parts of all the neighbors and this, yeah, yeah. an altar to Satan. But, but did you kill the neighbor? Don't mind that. What are you doing? Putting a dent in the car? Yeah, that's that's our government. Yeah. Oh, did you see a little whirlwind? Yeah, that was cool. I think we heard it a little bit on the mic too. Yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah. Clear air tornado cat. Yeah, yeah, yep. And you know what? Um. Where did it come from? Because we were just talking about how calm and beautiful it is today. Um, maybe it's that uh, sports car pulling off. Oh, did you see the guy or not? No, I didn't, I didn't manage to see. Yeah, there's a, this really hot, low-slung Ferrari wannabe out there. So. Yeah, we wanted to see whose penis extension it was, but we missed yeah. him. Damn yeah. it. You see a car like that, and it's like, yeah, your wiener don't work, huh? Yep. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, well. Um, um, go ahead. Oh, so I was I was watching, uh, uh, there was a concert video the other night on, uh, a, pro, on a show uh, on channel that. It okay. was from November 6th of 1981, so a long oh, time wow. ago. Uh, it was Journey in uh, Houston, I think it was. Uh, so I was watching the show, and I was comparing uh, a number of things. Uh, first off, Journey, by eight, by 81, they'd already had a good couple years of being really popular. Mm-hmm. So when I saw their stage presentation, I was really disappointed at how plain it was. Mm-hmm. You had the drummer on a riser. And then opposite him was the keyboard player on the same riser. Uh-huh. And then on the lower stage, directly below the drummer, was the bass player. And then directly below the keyboard player was the guitar player. And then the singer spent most of his time standing on the riser part in between the drums and the keyboards, mm-hmm. never moving an inch. He'd move his arms around, and he'd kind of crouch down and stand up, but he never moved from that spot. 
Oh, we damn. Yeah, for song after song, he just stood there, and nobody else really moved around either. And then after a while, he finally moved a little bit. But the lighting was boring. There were no backdrops whatsoever. It's like, wow, this concert is boring as hell. Wow. <laughs> Compared to nowadays, I guess. But uh, but they just it was just five musicians standing there being musicians, and that was it. There was no visual flash to go that with it. That would never fly today. Would not in a million years. No. Uh-uh. Hmm. And then I started comparing the drummer himself, Steve Smith. Yeah. Um, in, so this was 81. Uh, in the 90s, probably mid-90s. This was Stephen Perry led, right? Yeah, Steve Perry. Because the first uh, first guy was uh, Fleisch, uh, Fleischer. Fleischman. Fleischman. George yeah, yeah, Fleischman. Yeah. Something like that. Something it. like that. Robert Fleischman. So, something like that. Yeah. Anyhow, yeah. Um, He's the guy that went on to sing in Vinnie Vincent Invasion and uh, did yeah. some other stuff. Well, anyhow. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, and their original drummer was uh, Ainsley Dunbar, who moved on. Yeah, who the, I I was a huge fan. Oh, of me it. too. Yeah. Uh, so then Steve Smith replaced him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to compare uh, Steve Smith playing for Journey in this concert, and Steve Smith in the mid '90s playing at a drum clinic put on by the Zildjian Cymbal Company. Mm-hmm. And it was at the White Recital Hall at UMKC. Well, that's in Zildjian's height, too. Everybody had Zildjian. Nobody yeah. had Sabian, remember? Yeah. Yeah. And there was Peisty, but they were way more expensive yeah. than Zildjian. Yeah, they were way more expensive. And, like, wasn't that more of a jazz? And they went more for British artists, too. The British, too, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Ian Pace was a big uh, Peisty fan. That's right. Yeah. Um, so I was in the clinic... Uh, Steve Smith is a jazz drummer. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really not a rock and roll drummer, although he can play rock and roll. He can he play rock and job. roll, but he's a but jazz drummer. Yeah, yeah, he is a jazz drummer at heart. Uh-huh. So I remember when I saw him in the clinic, he played a solo that he'd written, and it was really good. I mean, it was interesting, it had parts, it went somewhere, it had recurring themes, it wasn't just, you know, a blazing display of, you know, yeah, high-speed yeah. notes and intricate patterns and stuff. It really, it was a piece of music. It was cool. Well, a good drum a good drum solo doesn't make you wish that the singer would come back. Yeah. You know what I mean? I've heard good drumming <laughs> yeah. solos before. And when the singer comes back on, I go, damn, that's too bad. I'd like to hear another five, ten minutes of this. Yeah, yeah. I remember one time doing a drum solo, and I still had some ideas of some things, places I wanted to go. But the bass player turned around, and he said, uh, wrap it up. And at first I was pissed, but then I thought, okay, he's reading the room. He knows better than me. So yeah, exactly. I did. I wrapped it up. and this, you know. But so I was watching the solo that Steve Smith did in 81, and wow, it was disorganized. It had mm-hmm. no coherent structure. Uh, it was like he had learned a bunch of rock drum riffs and fills and was mm-hmm. just demonstrating. I mean, they didn't flow together. He didn't, you know, put them in any kind of decent order. It was very awkward. It was like, okay, this is a jazz drummer who was just kind of learning how to play rock. He probably really didn't know what to put them together. You know, he's yeah. just like, oh, I'm just going to start going off, mm-hmm. and this is going to work because this is rock. Yeah. 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 If and I were playing, you know, some sort of jazz number, I would have very little idea how to do jazz fills. I could do the, some of the rhythms, 
but the jazz fills eh, not so good. Yeah. And I could I could listen to the I could see him playing and hear how he's a jazz drummer trying to do what he thinks rock drummers are supposed to do in drum solos. Um, and when he finished up, I mean, there were parts in there that were decent, but for the most part, it was just kind of a mess. And uh, when he finished up, it was ah! the audience was screaming, and they were like, "Oh, Steve Smith on the drums, the best drummer in the world." Yeah, blah, probably blah, blah. a lot of people didn't know better. You yeah, know, it yeah. would be my guess. Yeah, so, but yeah. looking back at that, yeah, because I saw him. I never saw a journey live, but seeing that video and then having been able to see him in a in a well, drum situation, me of something. It, was, um, it was quite a difference. I was uh, Paul Stanley was talking about the Vinnie Vincent years, mm-hmm. and I don't even know if it's Paul Stanley. I think it might have been like someone else um, that was like um, one of the techs. Mm-hmm. or something like that and he's talking about Vinnie Vincent and how hard he was to work with yeah. and they said that like Vinnie Vincent would be out there on stage going off on guitar mm-hmm. on a solo and he would never come back in and then Paul came out and he said yeah ladies and gentlemen Vinnie Vincent and then he'd start going into another song and I guess Vinnie got pissed and he walked to me and said don't ever fucking do that to me again mm. and that was that helped lead to his departure well yeah because it's you got to know it's it's Gene yeah. and Paul's band. If you heard, yeah, if you heard Benny Vincent's first album, mm-hmm. um, the Benny Vincent Invasion, you understand why they had to reel him back in, because that album could have been really, really, really good, but he would not shut up on guitar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Just, I, and his thing is, is talent, yes, uber talent, no. Mm. He could write a song really well, and he could write a song really well. And play it but well. But he was not Ingve Malmsteen. Yeah. He didn't talk with his guitar. He didn't make songs. He was just like, noise. Yeah. Talented noise, but noise. And it gets to the point where he's just, you can tell he's just playing for himself. Yeah, just like. And the rest and of us are, are done with it. It'd be the same noodling over and over, and it's like, okay. Now you heard Ace's solo, right? Ace's yeah. solo is awesome. Because he does different chords, he puts these chords together and gives you a feeling. Yeah. You know, he, it's a really brilliantly put together. It shows you that he understands music and he yeah. understands how to properly do a solo if you're not one of these uh, Eddie Van Halen's or Yngwie Malmsteen's. He's like, okay, this is going to sound great and it's very talented mm-hmm. and it's very enjoyable, but I'm not going to finger tap. Yeah, I don't do that. Do all the noodling you know, yeah, and the nine, yeah. nine fingers everywhere yeah. on the neck. You don't have to do that every single song. That's not what he does. Yeah. I would put it in line of what <laughs> Mick Mars does. You know, yeah. Mick Mars makes a really interesting, good sounding piece. Yeah, a song put together without words. Mm-hmm. That's in a solo style. So, but Vinnie Vincent just went out there and went, you know, and for a minute, okay, cool. Yeah, ten minutes. No. no. <laughs> and, you know, and Paul's like like reading the room, and everyone's uh, like looking at each other, going, okay, all right. It's time to go get a beer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah who's, the, who's this guy with a fucking onk on his face? Uh, <laughs> sure, you can't get Ace back? Yeah. yeah uh, Why don't you guys yeah. just be a three piece? Yeah, yeah. There's this guy, Mark St. John, over in Europe. He's pretty good. He has a guy that replaced him. Oh, yeah. But, he, you know, he got, um, he got some sort of arthritic condition in his hand. Mm. And he got ready to go on tour to support Animalize, the album that he's on, and he couldn't play. So they had to let him go, and they hired Bruce Kulick, who was fine, which was great. They wanted Bob Kulick, but he was with Meatloaf, and so Mm. they got Bruce Kulick. Kind of like how uh, Black Sabbath was wanting 
Carmine Apathy. They got Vinny. Yeah, and, and, uh, and Carmine's like, well, I'm playing with uh, Beck and uh, Stewart. I can't do it right now. We're getting ready to go on tour. But I got my brother. Yep. And I love the way Sabbath was fucking with uh, Vinny Apathy. They go, oh, no, we don't want him. No fucking way. But then Carmine begged us, so we went ahead and took him. Yeah. <laughs> but Vinny was their perfect drummer with Dio. Yeah. Oh, my God, it could not. I mean, Bill Ward did okay on Heaven and Hell. But when uh, Vinny Apathy came into there, Mm-hmm. on Mob Rules, it gave it that extra, that that fucking thing needed. Oh, yeah, yeah. just drumming with a lot of attitude. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Hey, he's one of my favorite drummers, actually. I love it. Yeah. If you want to talk with hard rock, metal type of music, he's one of the best ever, in my opinion. Yeah, so. and people think it's just, you know, simple 2-4 beats. No, 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 no. There's no, a no, lot no, more no. to it. Now, also, with what he does, it's a lot of the... Um, it's not heavy right now, mm-hmm. so... I'm just going to lay low. And then it's like, okay, we're getting ready to build. Mm-hmm. So every other beat is the heavier beat. He is so good at that. It's like... Yeah. And the bass it, is always yes. right there with him. Yes. And yeah. then finally it's like, all right, bitches, hold your head. Hey, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's brilliant. So, that was something that Neil Peart couldn't do in the early Rush albums. He just, he really didn't have that dynamic build no but he admitted that you know he was so technical and he didn't you know yeah he was like you know what he had an epiphany somewhere in his career mm-hmm. and he said i'm gonna start playing with feeling yep. and either way he played fuck yeah i mean you listen to both of them and you're like shit yeah could be the greatest drummer ever how can you prove it i know it's so since musical styles are so different uh, yep. another real slammer is uh, kenny aronoff who was uh, John Mellencamp? Yeah, but everyone drummer. calls him Arnoff. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Including and, uh, me, because it's just... Yeah. Anyhow, go ahead. But he, he puts out videos on power drumming. Yeah. And uh, he teaches at Indiana University. Uh, he teaches percussion and uh, drumming there. Um, he's, you know, he never really plays with much feeling, but it's an intentional choice that that's his style. He, you know, he pounds his way through a song. Yeah. Um... He could play the filling, but he just chooses not to. And in the early days, Neil just didn't. He just like he didn't know how. It's just like full balls out, slamming the whole time, the whole time yeah. through. Yep. So it works for a while, but I, you know what? But he was enough of a master of his trade. He took a step back and he relearned mm-hmm. it, and he didn't care. He yeah. knew he was going to do it. Yep. And the thing about Neil Peart is, is he knew he was going to do it the best. Yeah. Yeah. So and he did. So, yep. Yeah. Kill. Yep. And that's why there'll never be any more rush. Music and they say it and they know it and they're not like uh, they weren't going to anyhow. They retired Mm -hmm. before he even knew he had cancer. They already retired and they weren't going to do it. They're not like those guys. They're they're not like Motley Crue. Five or six. Oh, we're going to sign a contract. (laughs) (laughs) But anyhow, I stand with Mick like everyone else. Yeah. Yep. And then, you know, the last thing I wanted to mention about Journey is uh, they did oh, their sorry. song, uh, Don't <laughs> Stop Believing." No, it's just one left. You know, the song, Don't Stop Believing." Uh-huh. Uh, he's, he's, he's got the line, just a city boy born and raised in South Detroit. Mm-hmm. There is no South Detroit. Yeah, it's, uh, what's its name? You uh, go south. Ohio, it's. Uh... No, you go south from Detroit and you're in Canada. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Because it's in a nook. Toronto scooped down below Detroit so you go south from 
downtown Detroit no, and you get into Canada. Yeah. When, <laughs> Windsor, Windsor, Windsor okay. Ontario. Yeah. yeah. I go through there. I used to go through there a lot. Now I fly yeah. there. I have relatives in Canada. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Because it's in a little nook. Uh-huh. And the nook of Michigan goes out into um, Ontario. Uh-huh. And then below it, essentially, is Windsor, although you would think it would be the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. But they asked uh, Steve Perry about it, and he said, well, you know, I wanted the word Detroit. Toledo, Ohio is what I'm thinking of. Oh, yeah. The, a suburb of Detroit is Toledo, Ohio, and Toledo, Ohio is a pretty good area, too, a pretty mm-hmm. big area. Anyhow, go ahead. Um, he was saying he's writing the song, and he said, I wanted the word Detroit in there, you know, because it makes it rhyme and sounds good. And he said, I tried North Detroit, I tried East Detroit, I tried West Detroit. Nothing sounded as good as South Detroit. I don't know if it's just because we know the song so well, or if uh, that's actually the way it is. Yeah. But he, he said, I learned very quickly, there is no South Detroit. <laughs> I never even thought about that, because... Uh, I always thought of Toledo, South Detroit, but you're right. Because of the little nook that it's in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because Toledo, I guess, would be East Detroit. Yeah. No, West Detroit. But imagine if, you know, the Missouri River, you know, you come through North KC down to the Missouri River, and then you cross the river, and you're in, what, San Salvador, El Salvador? Imagine <laughs> yeah. how weird that would be. <laughs> what the hell happened? It's not South KC. It's El Salvador. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Hey, wait a minute. Maybe I can get some good drugs while I'm here. Hey, yeah. yeah. Knock off Viagra. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I watch very few commercials, if, if I can help it. But I've noticed um, the Poshmark commercials. Uh, I, I was still delivering mail when Poshmark came out, and I remember delivering a lot of their packages. Um... And Poshmark had some uh, um, imitators there for a while, but oh, I don't see any of their ads anymore. I think, I think they're think all they've gone. All disappeared. Yeah. But I noticed the weird thing about the Poshmark commercials. There has never been a single one saying, come to Poshmark and buy. No. All of them are. Or sell. Sell your stuff on Poshmark. Yeah. Not Every single commercial, they're begging you to sell to them. They don't even bother to ask you to buy their stuff. I, I think the only sensible explanation is everyone knows that buying the used stuff on Poshmark is a good deal. Mm-hmm. But selling to them is a sucker bet. Yeah. Because if you paid for that stuff yourself new, you're selling them at a huge loss. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to make you think you're making extra money. No, it, that would be the sell on the whole thing. Selling it, like you said, you're getting a good deal. Buying it would be, like you said, the sucker bet because where would they have to focus in on an advertisement and that would get to be people to sell mm-hmm. because people know the deal. You yeah. know? It's like, I sell for nothing and you mark it up. Otherwise, why would they be there? How would they be able to advertise if they didn't make a killing off of the payback? Yes, yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm sure they that they sell a lot of the stuff and most of the stuff they get in and they're probably begging for inventory constantly oh yeah and then they have other outlets too like all these little ebay outfits and stuff that Mm -hmm. sell on ebay they buy the remainder and they just piece it out yeah you know yeah i and i'm picturing a customer who signs up for poshmark and they see a, a like a purse that they want that you know retailed for like 650 and they get it for 200 and they're like, cool, this is awesome. 
And then a year later, they're like, mm, I'm kind of tired of this purse. I'll think I'll sell it back. And Poshmark offers them 15 bucks. Then they realize, oh, that's why I got it for so cheap. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it, it becomes, and you know, the, the commercials will tell you, you know, oh, it's a great side hustle. I'm making all this money. One, one girl was saying, you know, oh, I, I, it helped me with my college expenses and getting my first place and blah, blah. That only works if somebody else is buying them for you in the first place. Yep. And they take the financial loss. Yeah. Yep. If it really worked for the average individual, then you could go to the store, buy 10 pair of brand new shoes, pay full price, run right home to Poshmark and sell them to Poshmark for yeah. all that extra money. Well, I, I see... <laughs> Wait a uh, minute. <laughs> I see where a lot of people, and this is true... They'll go into, like, a Costco and buy buyout stuff. Like, let's say there's, mm-hmm. like, ten pair of socks left, and they're just trying to get them off the shelf and get them out of there so they can get the new stuff in. Yeah. And let's say they're long socks, really yeah. thick wool socks, and here it is, uh, April, uh, going on the end of April, right? Yeah. Well, they're trying to get rid of them because their inventory now has to be the shorter socks, lighter ones for mm-hmm. summer. True. Okay, no one's buying winter socks. They sell them 98 cents a pair. Mm-hmm. There's people who go in there and buy like all 50 of them at 98 cents. Yeah. And then they'll sit on them till October mm. and then sell them all for four bucks. A great deal mm-hmm. on eBay. Yeah. 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 So they kind of, people kind of do this too. I've seen this happen a lot. Yeah. And that, that's true. That is a good way if you can sit on it and you buy something when it's low and sell it when it's high. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's, I'm, I'm really curious to see how much longer Poshmark lasts. Um, well, I think it was designed to not last. I think it's yeah. going to run its course, and then they're just like, okay. And then they go on to whatever they were doing before or yeah. something new. I, I'm, try, I'm imagining the set of people who want to buy high-end expensive clothes used. It's probably not real big. No, probably not. Yeah. Um, and this would be for, like, maybe the wannabes. Mm-hmm. The people who want to act like they're making money Mm -hmm. or they're going in for something a little bit over their head and they don't quite have the money to buy that outfit. So uh, let's say that someone just finished their degree and they're broke. Yeah. And they're going to go for this big fucking job, um, um, some corporate job. Oh, yeah. Buying something nice to wear to the Yeah. And they're like, well, I can't afford to buy a new one, but I can barely afford that. Someone buy that on Poshmark. Mm -hmm. And who knows? Maybe there's more of a market there than we've ever thought. Yeah, I, I guess if I mean there's got to be something. I mean, I, I I I can imagine a repeat customer being the kind of person who like they've got a video podcast that they have to peer on every week and they want to wear something different every time. Yeah. So they have a constant turnover: buy, sell, buy, sell, buy, sell. But you lose a sh- you're losing your shirt that way. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. you buy this nice outfit at a you know 75% discount when you sell it back you're going to get you know <laughs> 75% less yourself too <laughs> you know some people don't think that far ahead either right. some people are just like oh I'm going to make the money and then later on they deal with it and go oh well oh, yeah. oh now I get it Yeah. or either that or they're just like okay and then move on whatever yeah, so, I, yeah. I had a friend who had, had bought a house with a really steep driveway uh-huh. And when winter came and it got snowy and icy, he couldn't get up his own driveway. 
And if he was up his driveway getting down, he'd slide all the way across the street. And he was bitching and moaning and complaining. And I said, well, that driveway was that steep when you bought the house, wasn't it? And he said, well, yeah, it was the, but it was the summertime. I didn't think that far ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, get what you get. You live in Kansas City, Missouri. And it's summertime, and you completely forgot that we got ice and snow in the wintertime. <laughs> I, I would, I want to send, I want to send him like a, um, Jim's backhoe rentals. Yeah, <laughs> here, dig it, dig it out. Yeah. Oh, um, this reminded me of something, and I don't know why, but um, I said you that little thing, Pete's pranks. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> that thing is something else. The, uh, that look. reminded me of a, a prank we played on the, our lead singer one time. He oh, was yeah? he was very homophobic. Uh-huh. Uh, so we decided before he got to practice, we worked up that we'd gotten this. You know, when the band was was still struggling to find gigs, so we said we're going to tell him that we got this great, awesome gig, but it's a, like a gay pride festival, but it's going to like pay a ton. And we're gonna have we're gonna have to have you know like gay male dancers on the stage, and, uh-huh. and there's you know gonna be like a thong contest, just everything that would make him horribly uncomfortable. Uh-huh. But it paid really well, and we wanted to see whether he would agree or <laughs> go do it or not. What did he say? He said, "Let's do it." <laughs> so then we had to start upping the ante. He's like, "Oh yeah, well you're gonna have to MC the thong and you know, the banana hammock contest," and he was like, "Uh, no, I'm not." <laughs> We finally got him to the point where he said no. <laughs> Damn it. We, I we bet that got that you guys good. good when he said, yeah, sure, let's do it. And you're like, wait a minute. You're not supposed to say that. Yeah, as, as creeped out as he said he was by homosexuality in general, he just jumped on it right away. He's like, oh, pay perform well, for money. Sure, let's maybe, do it. He's, maybe he's what they say. The ones that are like all freaked out about it are the ones that are afraid they are or something. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. Who knows? Oh well. I just thought that was funny. But this Pete pranks, I just happened on it by accident. It was mm-hmm. like just like an advertisement or something. But this is like the your gay cruise that's coming up that they said in the mail is called Q Ship twenty twenty three cruise. And it's like your inaugural like booklet to the gay cruise. You can send that to someone. The oversized dildo mail prank. It like comes in a tube and it says, Caution, oversized dildo. <laughs> The Porn Addict Recovery Letter from the Porn Addict Recovery Center of America. I know some people I want to send that to. <laughs> About everybody. You got, you're got. you going to be a father mailer. Mm. Uh, that one's a good one. Yeah. Because it looks really official. Erectile Dysfunction Support Group Mail Prank <laughs> Mailer. Um, Foot Hub of the Month Club. Yeah, there are a ton of these things. And then if you, you know someone that's like a really big liberal, you can send them the Trump thank you pack for donating money. And then the opposite, you know someone's a big conservative, you can have the uh, Biden-Harris thank you pack yes. for sending them money. Yes. And so anyhow, this Pete's prank's pretty cool, and I saw it the other day, and I just thought I'd want to mention it. Yeah. I have nothing to do with it. They don't pay anything. I just thought it was really cool. They have some really good ideas to really fuck with people. Yeah. And you know what? What do we do? We fuck with people. Yes. Yes. I thought of some other good ones. You could have the uh, pedophile recovery group Ooh. mailer. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> or advice. do like at one place uh, that they used to like put signs in the yards and they got mm-hmm. the wrong guy and he got killed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, some guy who was like molested went up and shot him mm. and it's the wrong house. They yeah. put it in, they read the address wrong. Yeah. Oh. See, wasn't any other good That's one? Quite a few years ago when that happened, but man. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Send them a mailer. <laughs> it's like, how to deal with being on parole. <laughs> that's like the the welcome home signs you go to the airport and hold up like welcome home mommy third time for rehab's a charm Fing- sphincter rehab of america yeah. <laughs> i remember seeing one sign a guy went no to more the- pronies <laughs> A guy went to the airport to pick up his sister, uh-huh. and his sign said, I-, I love you, brother, even though you're a girl now. Oh. <laughs> and his sister had to walk up and was like, thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> awesome. We like the old Bud Light commercial. Yeah. There you go. Are you Mr. Jenkins? Yes, I am, because he had all the Bud Light in his car. He's in there going, where are you going, Mr. Jenkins? I'll just drive around. He's, like, slamming all the Bud Light. (laughs) All right. Oh, Oh, shit. shit. What's What's that that over there? there? Oh, Oh, no. no. It's It's the island island of horrible horrible jokes. jokes. Ugh. My copy of Microsoft Office. I will find you, and I will have my word. Douchebagsandmicrophone.net, your one stop for everything You want to write us? You want to say something to us? You want to look for a live button? When we go live, you can call in. All of this stuff is right there for your ear holes and eye holes. You got it, chumps. It's all yours. Douchebagsandmicrophone.net is up and running. Hit the subscribe button. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Don't forget to hit the subscribe Hey, where'd everybody go? We're the douchebags. Hmm. Oh my god, someone took a dump in the corner. Oh jeez. Ugh, glad they're gone. Let's just hope they don't come back. Man, that smells.